Well, hello. It's me, Molly, and I'm here with Kieran. Hi. <laughs> Is that how we're starting it today? Yeah. Oh, man. That's... And we're coming to you live from the closet at KLRN. Um, you're listening to The Story Goes, uh, which is a podcast that is in partnership with SA2020, the nonprofit organization that drives progress toward a shared vision uh, for a thriving San Antonio, and KLRN, your local public television station. And no, we're not uh, on your television. We're in your ears. Oh, no. That's the only way. I mean, they're, we're in like your the ear pods, and we have all the good ways of telling the more complete story of San Antonio. We try to bring people in who are working in organizations that are um, helping us be an even better city. Uh, and we've got that person here today. That you cannot ruin it, Brenda. You are that person that is making our city better today, Brenda Moscato. I did it. Yes, Mascoro. That's great. There it is. Um, who is the CEO, Executive Director of SARA, so South Alamo Regional Alliance for the Homeless. We're going to rebrand soon, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are doing some amazing work. Yeah. And you're also sort of a hidden gem in our city, I would think. Well, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, this oh, is course. awesome. Uh, I was really looking forward to the closet, and, and it's exactly it that. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we haven't been around very long, so maybe that's one of the reasons we're kind of hidden. Okay. Um, and a lot of folks have misconceptions just based on our name. But at the same time, we do help the homeless, but just in a different way. We don't provide any direct services to the homeless. And um, everybody, when I say that, automatically thinks like, what does that mean? And um, we don't have um, individuals that provide in, in our organization that provide direct services. We have data analysts, we have uh, researchers, we have planners, we have folks that write very well, and we have folks that um, are really looking at best practices across the nation to see how we can better serve our homeless population here in, in San Antonio and Bear County. Um, we've seen some major progress in veteran homelessness, mm -hmm. right? And then we've also seen not such great uh, work in homelessness because it's such a complex issue. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking on the way over here uh, about the idea that homelessness generally is something that uh, people can't sort of wrap their brains around. Um, Y'all are the people who are in charge of the point in time count. So how we know people are homeless, whether it's moving up or down, whether they're in shelters or unsheltered, but out of homes, mm -hmm. um, you are the people who sort of coordinate the one day a year that mm -hmm. you send hundreds of volunteers out into our community to count the amount of homeless people that we have in our community, correct? That's correct. And um, the way we do our point in time count, so it's one time of year and we're not unique to this. The entire nation does this. Same day. Uh, same day for the most part. Texas does the same day, but um, it, as long as it's, you know, in January and um, and we last year we had 400 volunteers and we have a great partnership with SAPD. Um, we also were able to purchase with the help of USA this year and last year an app for um, be, to be able to, you know, really get good information about the different individuals that we're surveying. Um, we also uh, have volunteers put together packets, um, like goodie packets for the the homeless individuals that 
participate and in, in, in answer our questions and, and and allow us to count them and allow the allow us to, you know, talk a little bit about what what their needs are, why they are where they are, and who they are. Um, most importantly, who they are. And so, um, it's it's a big effort. Last year was the first year that we did have Street Medicine San Antonio, which is a group from um, uh, the University of Encarner Ward's Osteopathic Medicine Group, um, and it's a couple of medical doctors and um, students that uh, helped us with just, you know, they went out and helped us to see if there was any additional needs mm-hmm. out there when we went. And this year, you know, always adding one more component to make it a better count and also to involve the community. I think it's important for the community to, to do this. It's important for the community to go meet their neighbors that mm-hmm. most often or a lot of the times they just don't feel comfortable um, having conversations with. Ugh, the thing that you said that stood out the most to me in that was most importantly who they are mm-hmm. right when we th- meet your neighbors right um it's so important i think to to understand that in such a smart way that people who are homeless are people exactly right. i would imagine with 400 volunteers coming out for the point in time count that would be such an opportunity for even realizing hey i didn't even know that i held this stereotype or bias of homeless people until i'm I- I'm out in the community and I'm walking around and volunteering in this way and being intentional to see. Uh-huh. I know sometimes we, um, uh, the, there's a conversation about homeless people are invisible in our community, mm-hmm. right? In the way in which we see or don't see them. Tell us more about both the stereotype and the narrative uh, sure. that Sarah works to shift when it comes to people who are homeless. Sure. It's, um, it's, that's, I think my favorite part of my job, um, even uh, the first time I volunteered for the point in time, I didn't know what the point in time count was. And I was a, a board member at Sarah at the time. And I volunteered and I, I mean, I came out and I was enlightened. I was energized. I was, you know, it's just you, 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 you pass by homeless individuals. And oftentimes I remember being sentimental and thinking like that could be anyone. A lot of us can relate because I think any of us could at one point become homeless because individuals that are homeless don't just wake up one morning and are like, okay, I want to be homeless today. It's usually a traumatic event um, that leads to another traumatic event that um, leads to another. And then before you know it, um, it's difficult to catch up. And there's no really a stereotypical homeless person. I think, you know, I've met so many individuals, you know, we have an amazing board member currently that was homeless her, almost her entire uh, childhood here in San Antonio, lived in all the different shelters and now is an, a business owner. She's a nonprofit. Uh, she has her own nonprofit. She's just amazing. And, and you know, unless, you know, you have a conversation, she won't ever mention, you know, about her experience. And I, I find that often where there's a lot of individuals that, you know, were once homeless because, when there were children or at some point in their life. Um, but it's not something that, you know, is the first uh, topic of conversation. And so uh, you just really don't know when and what people have experienced to lead them to become homeless. And it's just, it's it's, it's sad because a lot of uh, folks just automatically are afraid. I'm, oh, there's, I have so many questions to follow up with that. I don't take for granted how hard um, your work is 
your job is every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's, I would imagine, right, of course, being responsible for um, multi-million dollar budget and coordinating those funds across multiple sectors and organizations to reduce homelessness in San Antonio is not rewarding every single day, mm-hmm. I would guess. Why did you say yes to this opportunity? So there's a couple of different reasons. So before this, I, I worked in affordable housing. Um, and then before that, I did I worked at the university and did uh policy and, and worked on affordable housing at the university. But then before that, as a child, I lived in affordable housing. And so, and then um, before that, um, my mother passed away when I was young. So there was a, a, a time there where, you know, we just didn't, we lived in public housing, but without a head of household, we obviously had to just leave and, and um, some of the older kids took younger kids. And so we suffered some really difficult times. And I remember being in high school and not even necessarily realizing that I didn't have a, a necessarily a house. And I just lived and stayed at my friends and I was a straight A student and um, I, uh, you know, was captain of my basketball team. I was uh, majoring at at the time and uh, broadcast journalism for at a magnet school and and this and that, right? And nobody really knew. And and this happens often, right? Where people don't necessarily knew, know what um, people are going through. And so um, so I, in particular, am, am very passionate about helping end youth homelessness because um, when it comes to youth, they really don't have a choice in, in the matter a lot of the time. Um, they, um, you know, like in my case, my mother had cancer and, you know, she she passed away at a young age. And so uh, in my case, I, you know, there's no, no say on my part, you know, that, that was just, and she was a single mother of eight and those were just the circumstances. And I feel that if we start really focusing on youth homelessness and ending the cycle before it begins, then we won't have to deal with um, the more difficult type of homelessness, the chronic homelessness, the homelessness that is difficult for us to treat, it's difficult for us to reach out to. So um, in particular, I'm, I'm very passionate about the youth. I, I think that we can, um, as a community, all have an obligation, a responsibility to to at least you know be a mentor I, I think back and people always um, ask, like, what what was the one thing? Um, and it wasn't one thing. It was one great teacher. It was one amazing coach. It was one very supportive sister. It was, you know, it was a combination of the community really coming together. So I, I take a lot of pride in, in the fact that I came from a great community, and I want to make sure that we build a great community. Every single thing that really does affect homelessness and the homelessness rates in San Antonio. And homelessness also is, in return, affects a lot of different aspects in San Antonio and Bear County. We know that in San Antonio, Texas, we have a major challenge around family violence, particularly domestic violence. And we saw growth in the amount of people who are affected by family violence in homeless situations, right? Living in shelters and unsheltered. Um, mm-hmm. So we saw that number kick up. So as our family violence rate was kicking up, we saw more and more fam- w- women with children out uh, homeless, right? Mm-hmm. Living in shelters and or unsheltered. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a co- direct cause and effect, right? There's a secondary piece that you talked very specifically about youth and wanting to sort of intervene and prevent homelessness before it occurs. And San Antonio, Bear County, just got a giant grant around youth homelessness. Is that right? And y'all are... That's correct, um, yes. Can you speak a little bit about sort of where that came from or the impetus for it and what's happening with that? Yeah, so we um, applied for a grant and it, it, uh, we applied with um, the help of 
all our partners. Um, we had so many partners uh, really contribute to the application, uh, Northeast ISD, the university, um, the health system. I mean, everybody and anybody that we reached out to, DFPS, um, Thrive, um, which is uh, an organization that has been really active in this and, and ever since the application process. And so we applied for that in April of last year. And then we received notification in the summer that we received the largest amount ever um, recorded in the nation at $6.88 million. Next year, we're hoping to, or this year, Wow, it's 2020. Um, I'm sure that happens to you guys all the time now. Um, so this year we're, we're hoping to launch, um, you know, a little bit more awareness around youth homelessness and also hopefully uh, a community campaign on how we can leverage some more resources to to allow us to really maximize that whole uh, 6.88 million for the community and then leverage everything else that um, will come in the, in the future right after that. So right now we're currently working with um, about 42 different partners to uh, really allow us to or, or tell us how we should really use this um, these funds. Can you tell us more about these organizations? I know you mentioned SAPD earlier, mm -hmm. but paint for us the breadth and scope of folks that have to come together in order for us to reduce homelessness in San Antonio. So currently we have um, you know something we call membership council, which is all the service providers that touch homelessness and um and then the membership council oversees work groups, and that's like a, a family work group and a, a veterans work group. And, and there's there's so many work groups, so many committees. We have a coordinated intercommittee. We have a point in time committee. And I think all that's great. And we've been doing this for a little while now. But I think um, one of the things that I would love to focus on um, in, the, in the near future, where there's two things really, is housing, um, getting some units on the ground, getting making sure that there's permanent supportive housing available for individuals that are homeless. I mean, we can have... Um I, I think that we're doing an amazing job at Haven for Hope currently, you know, with uh, with all the services we're providing, the wraparound services. And But at the same time, we, we need to work together as a community to make sure that when people are ready to leave, that they have somewhere to go. And um, and so that's one of, the, one of the bigger initiatives. And then there's one more, and that's making sure that um, we look at homelessness as a system because it affects um, the healthcare system. It affects um, the, uh, you know, education. the hotel education, yeah. hotel and services. I mean, it, it really affects, touches every single other system, really working to make sure that um, we know what the impact is, not only the economic impact, but the general impact of homelessness to a community is. Yeah, when we think about, again, it sort of goes back to what you were saying at the beginning, right, which is who are the people who are mm -hmm. homeless right now? And I think we started tracking homelessness because of the community vision mm -hmm. uh, back in 2010, where we were just over 3,200 individuals. Um, we're now down closer to 2,800 individuals. So it, there's it's a small prog like small progress, but still progress. Mm -hmm. And then when you start to disaggregate that information, when you start to see who are the individuals, we're seeing that uh, it's a young people. If mm -hmm. you look at it, it's like 18% uh, of our homeless population were under the age of 18 um, in 2019. When you're talking about um, housing, um, and you also have a very specific phrase that you use, it's uh, rare, brief, and non-reoccurring is mm -hmm. what you want to see for our homeless populations. Can you speak more specifically about that phrase? Why those words? Sure, sure. Um, I think that 
often sometimes sometimes people become homeless and just because they become homeless it doesn't mean they have to stay in a homeless situation and you know we 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 have a lot of work to do um we as a community even our language you know we were just talking about this in the office and every single day it's something else it's like another aha moment like why are we using the phrase homeless why don't we use people that, without homes uh, right yes. and 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 we should we want it to be as uh, they are homeless for First of all, for it to be a very brief process, like they, you know, enter a, a, pro, a program and then before you know it, we get them housed. Um, or if um, if they are homeless that they don't, and we get them housed, that they don't become homeless again because reoccurrence of homelessness is is typical. And and you know, getting into back to the root of why, and then and then also um, just ending homelessness sounds also like something. You know, when I first started um, volunteering on the board, um, I remember, you know, individuals telling me, oh, well, ending homelessness, calm down. That sounds, you know, you know, and I'm just like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, with saying it. Why not be bold? Why not believe that it's possible? Why not, why not be excited about people having that one thing that we all deserve a home? somewhere to live. So why, why not strive to make sure that all families have somewhere to live that where they feel safe? Yeah. The words rare, brief, and non-recurring to me immediately make me think of how the commitment to be proactive in this work rather than reactionary, which then made me think about you bringing up SAPD. And we know that this is a population around the country that is often criminalized for being people without homes. What is the, tell us more about then that relationship with SAPD or the sheriff's office mm -hmm. in supporting Sarah and being proactive. So both um, Sheriff um, Salazar and, and Chief McManus serve on my board, on the board of directors of the COC. Um, they're both very supportive of um, and very um, willing to learn and 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 collaborate when it comes to the issues. Uh, you know, we as a community, I think, do a great job of backing each other up as well. They're on our our court, our committee, our point in time com to point in time count committee. So they come to our office twice a month at least, and and you know really ask us what else we need from them. They help us with our mapping, um, our GIS mapping to make sure that we're um, hitting every single spot in, in all of uh, the city, but also in Bear County. And so, I mean, they're just instrumental in making sure that we, that this is executed correctly and also that the training is there and that, that, that the individuals that are volunteering feel safe as well. Recently, we know that in San Antonio, we have challenges around our housing affordability. Um, we know, right, that one in two renters are spending more than 30% of their income. We know that um, the housing ownership is also sometimes out of our reach as well. And I am curious then, as you start to really focus on affordable housing, right, as an entity, um, are you working with developers and housing people in an effort to figure out the why. Yeah. We, we don't necessarily know what our role will be, mm -hmm. but if anything, if our role could be to coordinate or to encourage or to advocate for additional housing, then that's what we would love. Um, 
as I told you before, my background is in affordable housing. And, um, and, and so I know a little bit about affordable housing. And I also know that it works because I am a product of affordable housing. Um, but at the same time, we don't necessarily know what exactly our role is going to be, but we just know it's very important for us to get engaged, for us to have those conversations and for people to start realizing that homelessness is connected to affordable housing and, uh, and vice versa. Um, we try to end all of our podcasts as sort of a call to action, right? And as one, we will start saying people without homes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's make that a call to action, people without homes. Um, what are the things somebody's listening here wants to get involved or wants to learn more? What would you say they should do? Um, volunteer for our point in time count. Uh, just just get involved. Get, read. We, we also have a newsletter. It's extensive, but we have everything and anything that we could find um, all the information on homelessness on, on our newsletter. And if you're not part of one of our our committees or one of our um, our groups already and you feel like you, you could, let us know. Reach out to us and we, we can find out how we can match up. Again, unfortunately, we don't provide any direct services for the homeless and, and that's hard for us. Um, but at the same time, we have to do this part so everybody else could do those other very critical parts of providing direct services to the homeless and look at it from a wide uh, issue, not necessarily from just one service provider type issue. So, no, I appreciate so much the work that you do and for also being here today and sort of just giving us more information so that we could learn more about the work that you do. Everything that you heard about today on The Story Goes can be found online at klrn.org slash The Story Goes. Um, yeah, thank you for the work that you do. Well, thank you guys so much for having me and also for letting me talk about this and, and allowing people to learn more about um, people without homes.